Okay, well, this morning we talked about, and Pastor's been talking about vision for a few weeks, but this morning we talked about discerning your assignment, and we talked about finding that place called there, that place that God has assigned you to, and that everybody has an assignment from God. Uh, God, is, God is very... Um, very meticulous in his planning. We talked about how the the uh, sun comes up at a precise time every day. The sun sets at a precise time. I mean, they can tell you when the full moon's going to be. They can tell you all sorts of things because God is so orderly. He's so precise. But sometimes as human beings, we've thought he was not that definite when it came to us. But just as he has a precise plan for the sun and the moon and the stars, he has a precise plan for his man and men and women, the men and women of God. God. He doesn't just get us born again and leave us hanging or just throw us out there and say, do the best you can after that. He has a plan. He has a destiny. And it's up to us to discover it. Amen. We have to discover the plan. I want to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 5. I just want to look at about three scriptures that we looked at this morning. So return to Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 19. Hallelujah. We looked at a lot of scriptures this morning that prove that God has a plan. Uh, Ecclesiastes after Proverbs. If you're like me, I was kind of hunting it there for a minute. Hallelujah. But it's after Proverbs. And so we looked at a bunch of scriptures this morning. We don't have time to do that tonight because I want to give you some more stuff. Give you more the practical side of the things I talked about this morning. I gave you more the inspirational side that you would be inspired to believe and to know that God has a specific thing, a specific work, a specific thing planned for you to do. And sometimes you prepare many years to do that one, that one thing. Uh, but I have watched people through the years... Uh, and and through pastoring in Seminole and and then through watching my own family and and uh, let's look at this scripture and then I'll say some more about that Ecclesiastes five nineteen every man also to whom God hath given riches and wealth and hath given him power to eat thereof and to take his portion and to rejoice in his labor this is the gift of God uh, the Amplified talks about re- being happy as he toils being happy as he toils. The NIV says when God gives any man wealth and possessions and enables him to enjoy them and be happy in his work, this is the gift of God. And so God gives us a work to do that will make us happy. And I've looked at people throughout the years and seen some that, that, you know, that found their place, that found their destiny. I know my grandfather was a rancher. Now you couldn't have made a man happier than that man was ranching. He was so happy ranching. He was so happy as a rancher, and he was fruitful. And it, I can tell you, talk about not being about the money. He, it was not about the money with him. Sure. But actually, he thought anybody ought to, if they furnished you a house and gave you a side of beef, and, and they, that you ought to be able to live on $100 a month. I mean, he was convinced you, you know, you were way overpaid if you made too much more than that. Hallelujah. He kind of came from the old school. Hallelujah. Way old. <laughs> Hallelujah. But anyway, you talk about a man happy in his work. He was so happy that when he got where he couldn't get on a horse, just bodily couldn't get on a horse, I'm telling you, the man was depressed. He, was, he had a hard time making the judgment out, to, uh, out of his work, his calling. And you know, he was not only fruitful in his work and very esteemed as a rancher. And uh, you know, uh, he would, they were so esteemed, my grandmother and grandfather and him and as a rancher, that their boss drove them into Abilene, Texas onto the, uh, uh, I can't remember the name of the Ford company there. Huh? 
I don't know. Anyway, they drove him to a Ford company. That don't sound right, so I ain't going to say it. Hallelujah. Arrow. That's it. Arrow Ford in Abilene, Texas. And he said, Hixie, pick out. I don't know why he said Hixie. Told my grandma to pick out any car you want on the lot. I mean, you know, and so they had that esteem for what they did. And I tell you, they were also very spiritually fruitful in their, in their, in their, in that profession. Their, their ranch was a constant place of encouragement to the body of Christ where uh, there was constantly company, constant having cookouts and having people over. It was a revolving door. My grandmother would never, she didn't have a job per se, but she had a calling from God. She was unofficially in the ministry. She was always ministering to people. Her drawer was a revolving door of people coming and getting prayed for, getting ministered to, always getting people saved. Her and my grandfather both had a real passion to get people saved. My grandmother found a scripture when she was very, very first born again said he that winneth souls is wise. She decided that was a good scripture and she said I want to be wise so I'm going to win souls. So she won souls. And so they were fruitful. And so that I had an example of there that I noticed that they had found their calling. They had found their destiny. And so uh, and then my dad, you know he's a banker in West Texas and uh, he's a 73 and he don't want to quit work. He just keeps going to work. Well, now, he likes the perks. I mean, he's like, well, you know, they're paying my health insurance and they're paying me. Uh, and, and he's got them now where he can go to work when he wants to. They, you know, when your boss likes you so good that you can show up when you want to, leave when you want to, be gone two and three weeks at a time when you want to, you know you done found something. You got a honey pot on the ground. Amen. And so my dad, he, you know, he's found a place. And, you know, he's a banker, but I don't think he could be. He, in fact, he went and he moved off from West Texas area and went to uh, some other towns like Nocona, Texas, Saginaw, Texas. And he moved off. And, you know, but he is an agricultural banker, and that's what he is. And that's where the flow is. It's not just in any kind of banking. You put him out here in Tuscaloosa, he'd be lost because he's an agricultural banker. He gets involved with those farmers. And he, uh, you know, and he's like a pastor in a sense. He carries the burden of the those farmers. I mean, he gets he gets like a pastor carries the burden of the people. He carries the burden when they're not making a crop. He's carrying the burden around on the inside of him. He gets kind of stressed over that. So there's always trials. I'm not. I'm saying that to tell you, just because you found your spot, don't mean there's. Oh, I mean it's no trials. But there is an anointing. There is a flow uh, to what God has called you to do. Look at Job chapter 36. We'll look at that scripture. And then we had company this week, and I told you a little bit about them this morning. Uh, Johnny and Michelle Powers from uh, our church in West Texas, and uh, and they were always a blessing to us in our church and in our Christian school. And uh, Johnny, best diesel mechanic. You know, God calls diesel mechanics, and he is anointed diesel mechanic. You could just ask any, you could ask any old sinner out in Seminole, Texas that drove a truck, and they would even tell you Johnny Powers was anointed to be a diesel mechanic. I mean, he is, he is, he's got it. And he's one of those that he don't, he don't, it's not work to go to work. And man, he's got half the, half his, he's got his family and half the church employed, you know, so God's blessing it. Amen. But then on the other hand, just watching some other people out there, I know there's a man that was in our church out there and I don't want y'all to send this tape because they'd recognize who I'm talking about. But um, there was a man out there and he was a farmer. And you know, he became a farmer because his daddy was a farmer. But you know, he couldn't make himself go to the farm every day. And so one thing he'd do, we noticed as pastors, is he'd go hang out at Johnny's. 
he'd go hang out at Johnny's because he did not want to go to the farm. That man has had more crop failures, one crop failure right after another. I don't know how he hangs on. Well, he, I'm sure the government check. You know, farmers, a lot of farmers farm for the government check. I don't know if y'all knew that. Hallelujah. But anyway, just seeing a man, and one thing we observed right off is this man doesn't like to farm. He didn't find his destiny. He doesn't love it. Man, There's, I'm telling you, there are men that love to farm. Now, Michael's dad, on the other hand, watch him. Now, he's in his call. There's no doubt. It took him a lot of years to get there because he is 20 years in the Air Force. But I'm telling you, he eats, sleeps, drinks, and breathes farm. That's all he can think about. That's all he can talk about. He ain't a lot of fun to be around because all he wants to talk about is farm. <laughs> his favorite pastime is to get you in the pickup and drive you around to look at the farm. But I understand that because when people come to Sem uh, Seminole, when people come to Tuscaloosa, I want to drive them around and show them the churches. I got to bring them out here and tour them all on this one. And, you know, I don't care if they like it or not, really. I'm kind of like Walt. I don't care if you want to or not. I want you got to see it. And, you know, and then I take them. We have to take them over Cottondale now and tour them around the church. And they say, look what, look what God's doing. Look what we're doing. Amen. See, you can tell by some things like that. In Job 36, verse 9, it says, uh, Then he showeth them their work. He's talking about God showeth every man their work. Then he showeth them their work. And look in verse 11. And if they obey and serve him, you know that work he shows you? If you will obey and serve him, then you will spend your days in prosperity and your years in pleasure. Hallelujah. But if you don't obey, hallelujah. It's not so good. It's not so good. You're not going to have enjoyment of life if you don't obey. If you don't find that destiny, and, you, and even if you find it and you don't obey it, you know, because sometimes people don't obey it because of the challenges involved in it, but you got to find it. Hallelujah. you got to find it and then obey it, and it'll prosper for you. I'm not saying it'll be instant, you know, that you're going to be an instant millionaire. I'm not even talking about that. Prosperity is so much more than money. Prosperity is having a flow of money and being able to pay your bills. You know, my grandparents, even with my grandfather, never making a lot being a rancher because he never owned a ranch. He was just a, well, I don't know what they call it, but an owner of a ranch would hire him. And they always furnish a home. So he never owned his own home. He just lived in the house that was furnished by the ranch. And they furnish you a pickup. And I don't even know, maybe the, I don't know if they furnished the horses or not. Or if those were Grand Grand's horses, I don't ever remember. I know some of them were probably his. He always wanted me to be a cowgirl. He always bought me a horse. I did not like horses. He was wanting me to ride the barrels. Can you imagine? <laughs> that just will put you over in a, a laughing fit to think about that. <laughs> me riding the barrels. Hallelujah. When I was a little girl, I mean, I was little. I was about, well, they said I was, I was probably about kindergarten age. And they put me on a little Shetland pony and my feet drug the ground, they said. And I said, and I said, Grand Grand, I don't think he likes me. I hated horses. I was afraid of them. So I was disappointment to Grand Grand. See, I was named after him. My name is, his name was Doyle and my middle name, I don't, boy, I must love you to tell you this. My middle name is Doyleen. I do not advertise that. Anyway, <laughs> hallelujah. So Grand Grand won't be ride the barrels. But uh, Debbie wasn't a cowgirl. I'm a girly girl. I'm not a cowgirl. I'm a girly girl. Hallelujah, if y'all know what that means. <laughs> so uh, he showeth us uh, our work. 
Amen. But anyway, it's not about money. It's about being happy. But there's always a prosperity to it. And when I was growing up, my parents were backslid, you understand, the whole time I was growing up. They were Christians, but they were backslid Christians. And 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 my, my parents struggled financially, I think, because they were backslid Christians is why they struggled financially the whole time I was growing up. But Granny and Gringer, now they didn't make a lot on the ranch, but I thought they was rich. And one reason that made me think they was rich is because Granny had pretty sheets. She always had real, we didn't have matching sheets on our beds at, at home. They didn't even match or anything, and they is old, but Granny always had pretty sheets. So I thought she's rich. And it just seemed like they always had money to take us out to eat when we'd go. We'd go to the, uh, this, this, nice, this nice seafood place in Abilene. can't remember the name of it, but I really liked it. And... Uh, Grand Grand always, and they always gave nice Christmas gifts. They were always a blessing everywhere. And you know, they didn't make a lot of money, but there's just a prosperity to you. It's not about making a lot of money, but when you're in the plan of God and you're in the will of God and you're serving God, and they were serving Him and all the light they had in First Baptist Church, He was a deacon. Granny was teaching Sunday school, and they were saying He was always the He was always the Sunday school superintendent or something, you know, that got up and did the little thing, the devotional before you have your Sunday school lesson. He was that Sunday school director, anyway, of some department, young adults department, because he always tells the same old story uh, that that you know He prayed for him. He taught on 1 Corinthians 13, and they had a lot of babies because he taught them for love. <laughs> Grand Grand always talked about that. Anyway, so, um, hallelujah. But they just prospered. And they always had a nice car to drive. And, you know, we was always broke, and they always had money. Hmm. They're in the plan of God. They're in the will of God. There's a prosperity about it. And there's a joy about it. There's a happiness. That were, there was a, they were, it was a happy place to be. Our place wasn't a happy place to be. Theirs was a happy place to be. Theirs was a, there was peace at their house. And there was fruit. There was spiritual fruit to other people. But also there was spiritual fruit in their own family. Because see now, I, my dad, he went the Baptist way. But my uncle, his only brother, uh, he married an Episcopalian. And she took him the Episcopalian way. And when you go to the Episcopalian church, you don't hear the plan of salvation. But So they had three grandkids by that side. They prayed them into the kingdom. And Sam did two tours. My uncle did two tours in Vietnam. And they prayed. I remember, I remember as a little girl, every night we got down on our knees before we crawled in the bed and got down on our knees around the bed. And we prayed. And we prayed for Sam in Vietnam. And they prayed him alive and home from Vietnam, from two tours there, and one tour in the Dominican Republic. I don't know what all, but I know they was, and he was a career. He was 20 years. So there's a prosperity, and there's a fruitfulness, and there is a, and it's not all about how much money you make. So don't, don't make it about money, because there's lots of miserable doctors with lots of money. With all, with, you know, and, and they're, you know, they're miserable. There's lots of miserable lawyers. There's, it's not about money. It's about calling. It's about destiny. It's about who you're called to be. Romans 9, verse 11. If you make it about money, you're going to miss it a, yard, a mile wide. Brother Copeland says, never make a decision based on money or you'll make the wrong decision. You'll always miss it if you make a decision based on money. Romans 9, verse 11 says, For the children being not yet born, having neither done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. So it's not of works, is it? 
but it's him that calls. There's an election. He's, it's before you were born, he decided this is what they'll be. And he gave you the personality for it. He gave you the DNA for it. He gave, he gave you the equipment for it. You're equipped. You're called by God and you're equipped to be what, you're, what, what God, has, God wants you to be. Um, <clears throat> in verse 16 there it says, So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. You can't will it. You can't just decide, I'm going to be a doctor. You can't just decide, I'm going to be a lawyer. You can't will it, but you have to follow it. You can only follow it. And you can't run for it. It says there in 16, it's not him that runneth. So you can't run for it. You can't earn it. You can't earn it, but you can prepare for it. And you do have to prepare for it, whatever it is. Hallelujah. You know, <clears throat> glory to God. Now, I wanted to go into tonight. I kind of caught you up to speed there. Those that were in Cottondale this morning or wasn't, hallelujah, didn't hear what we talked about this morning. Maybe you were in children's church. But anyway, um, um, I want to give you eight things tonight, and they're the more practical side of it, of discerning your assignment. And so we're going to get into those right now. Number one, you need to be honest about who you are. Be honest about who you are. Don't deny your talents and gifts. I mean, have you ever heard people do this? Somebody will say, man, you know, uh, you can play the piano. Oh, no, I'm not. Oh, I'm not any good. I'm really not any good. I can't. See, that's denying the things that God has given you. Hallelujah. And no, your gift may not be all the way developed. You know, if you play the keyboard or piano, you shouldn't even compare yourself to Kevin. And besides, I remember what he used to be like. I had to talk the lady in charge of worship at that time into letting him play. Give him a chance. Because I saw something and I believed it. And she's like, I don't know if he can do it. And I said, I think he can. Let's try him. You know, and so, how, how many, and it was in there, wasn't it? It wasn't, huh? After a few train wrecks, hello. I don't even remember those. God don't even, he don't think about stuff like that. But anyway, you don't need to compare yourself to Kevin. He's had a little time. He's had a little practice. He's had a little development time. We've had to, we've stretched him. We had to have him, and so we stretched him, and, and, uh, and God stretched him, and, and he did it. But anyway, not just doing the piano, but don't deny your gifts and talents. Don't make light of them. Don't have a false humility. Oh, no, I'm really not any good at that. Oh, you, 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 you decorate so good. You decorate your house. No, no, I'm really not any good. No, no. <laughs> you know, God is holding you responsible for your talents and gifts to use them. I think some people are afraid if they admit that they have a gift or they're talented, it's something that God's going to require them to use it. But I got news for you. He's requiring you to whether you ever admit it or not. We are required to use our talents and gifts. And, uh, uh, and you need to push your gift and your talent until it won't go any further. There may be a, a, a certain place that it'll go to and it just won't go any further. You know, if it won't, if it won't go further, don't, that's okay. God will have a, he'll reroute it. He'll go a different direction. But whatever it is, push it till it won't go further. Number two, this is, that's beyond, number one was be honest about who you are. Number two is be honest about who you're not. Now, I, I'm gonna. I'll use the example of singers because that's just what comes to mind. But I know people that that think they can sing. Listen, folks, you need to be honest. Y'all know that show American Idol. I've never watched that thing because I'm not really into it. Um, I don't care that much about stuff like that. But I've watched just enough to see that Simon guy tell him, "This is the. You are the most horrible singer. You are awful. I have never heard music that bad. I mean, have you heard him say that?" 
Y'all watched it just now. Listen, folks, if it, we we're not we're not being honest with ourselves if somebody else has to tell us that. Those folks aren't being honest with themselves if they have to go on TV and Simon has to tell them, you're awful. And some of them really are awful. They really are awful. And I'm like, I can't even believe that you would do come up here. So we need to be honest with ourselves and not all of us have developed voices and it's not always about, uh, you, you know, in church especially, there is something about the anointing. But if you have no voice at all, you know, you need to get honest. And you need to see, it's not about who you admire. It's about what you are. And sometimes we admire something and we want to be that and, and we don't even have it. If you don't have it, you need to admit it. I don't have this. This is not where I'm called. Because if you have it, if you're called there, you're going to have something. You're going to have something to start with, something to work with, either singing, I'm talking music, I'm talking about everything. You're going to have something. I mean, if you're teaching and everybody goes to sleep in the whole room, you know, you need to say, something's not here. You know, something's not, you know, if I can't even tell a, a joke and get wake them up or something. Hallelujah. You know, uh, talking about Emerald this morning, you know, he says uh, when, he, when he throws that stuff in the pot, he goes, bam, you know, like that. Well, he, he told on TV the other night why he did, how he got started doing that. Bam. He, uh, he said when he first started cooking on TV that, the, you know, he didn't have a live audience at that time. And he said the people running the camera and the producer were over there asleep. And he said it was really getting to him. You know, it was, you know, it comes against you when you're up there talking and, and everybody's sleeping around you, you know. And so he would say, and he, he just to wake them up would say, bam, and they would all just, and so it kind of got to be his little trademark, bam. Hallelujah. Anyway, but you know, he, he uh, you got to recognize what you got. But you got to recognize what you don't have. Because, you know, if you, and you know, thank God for Simon. I mean, I know that he's kind of rude. He really is. But, you know, on the other hand, if somebody keeps going down a road thinking they got something when they don't, they're going to miss what they do have and they're going to miss their destiny. Amen? They're going to waste a lot of time trying. Some people just want to be a big star. You know, they're just like, they want the attention. They're just wanting to be on TV. They're just wanting to be, uh, you know, they want, they want the bucks. This looks, hey, I could sing. I could be like a, you know, some big singer and I could, uh, I could make a lot of money. And, you know, we, we got to discern these things. We got to know who we are and who we're not. And as parents, we talked about this morning that one of the main ways to keep your kids out of sin is help them find their destiny early. Help them find their, and you know, uh, help them find that thing that they can really focus on. You know, and we talked about the Olympians and you know how they're focused. Well, I tell you what, they're not the jack of all trades, master of none. But more, they focus. They're all, those divers, all they think about is diving. They have wet feet, they're in the water so much. Amen. They're good at that. Amen. Those gymnasts, they're good, aren't they? Because that's what they practice. They, they're focused. They see that gold. And they're thinking about that gold. They've got a vision. And they're on that. And, you know, some, you know we need to be honest and, and get our kids focused. And, Lord, dear God, if they can't dribble a basketball, they don't need to be in little dribblers. You need to find them something they're good at. They don't just need to go out there because, it's, well, all the other kids are playing. Well, yeah, but who wants to go out there and everybody laugh at you? 
Help them find what they're good at. If they strike out every time they get up to the bat, baseball isn't it. Be smart, parents. Be smart as that. Baseball isn't it if they, if they, if they duck when the ball comes towards them. <laughs> Haven't you ever seen them little boys out in the outfield? You know, that duck. Hallelujah. They, that's not it. That's not it. And sometimes we're trying to make them, you know, we want them to be, but I want them to play Alabama football. Because every daddy says that sounds better than my son playing clarinet. But hallelujah. God has, God has given some sons uh, the clarinet anointing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so, you know, we need to be honest with ourselves about who we are. And we need to be honest with ourselves about who we're not. And, you know, there's always those exception stories, you know, the... And that little squirt, Rudy, wasn't that a little base of a little football player that was really too little to play, but he just had enough guts that he did it. And you know, hallelujah, sometimes there's those things. And, but you know, we ought to let the kid do the pushing in those situations. Okay, number three, listen to what others say about you. In Proverbs 18, 16, I'll read that to you real quick. You might not have time to turn there. I'll be there so fast. It says, a man's gift maketh room for him. And bringeth him before great men. You need to listen to what others say about you. You know, sometimes we got that false humility thing operating in us, and people say, Man, you are good on that piano. And we'll go, Oh, no, no, no. You need to listen to what they're saying about you. When you, you ought to, I, and I'm not saying listen so you get the big head, but you need to, you know, if people say, Man, uh, you, you know, uh, nobody ever cleaned the church as good as you. I know uh, in West Texas we had Becky. Nobody ever cleaned the church as good as Becky. I mean, and the and the uh, uh, and Becky, when 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 Becky left church, I've never seen anybody make make a church smell so good as. I don't know what she did to it. She had an anointing to make the church smell good. I'm telling you, she had that girl had an anointing to clean. Becky always wanted to do something else. Becky always wanted to be a singer. Well, we let her try that. That didn't work. Becky went to want to work in town. Didn't want to, you know, it's just not very prestigious to be the church cleaner. And so she went to work for Bells. You all know what Bells is? Don't anybody ever heard of Bells? Well, I can't explain it to you. It's a little department store. And uh, she went to work for Bells. And uh, they told me this the other day. Said, uh, well, yeah. Said, uh, said uh, you know, Becky <laughs> just can't explain her. But they were telling me this other day, the people that visited from Seminole said, yeah, uh, said some of the people they knew would say, oh, that girl, oh, we hide from her when, we, when, she, when she's in Bells. See, and I know that sounds sad and I'm not mean to be cruel, but you got to get in your anointing. And you know, guess what? Becky's back out cleaning the church again. Hallelujah. Which she is anointed to do. Amen. Your gift will make a place for you and what people say about you. Um, if you are doing something and no one's commenting or people are hiding from you, you need to find something else to do. That's not it. If you, you know, if you think you got something, then skate out and try something a little bit. And if the response is positive, keep skating. If you don't have any response, then don't skate anymore. Come on back. Uh, number four. Expect God to show you. Romans, or Job 36, 9, we just said, so read that where he showeth every man his work. Expect God to show you. Take clues from his word. 
What jumps out at you when you're reading the Word? What has God said to you? Amen? Number five, discover what's easy and what flows. Matthew 11.30 says, my yoke is easy. Well, and then I notice, and we're going back to it doesn't mean there's not trials. doesn't mean there's not things to overcome. But what is easy? What's coming naturally? What's just flowing with you? Like my dad, he has burdens over those farmers, but he, on the other hand, he's eating it up at the same time. Can't wait to get out there. Can't wait to go down there. And it just comes, just comes easy for him. I mean, uh, he, and, and they have brought in younger bankers into the bank, and they don't have it, I can tell you. They, they've gone to college. They got all the degrees for those banking. They, they got all the degrees, but they don't have that knack. And he's just got a knack to know whether you're a good risk or not. He's got that knack to know whether you can. Of course, one thing is he's got, there's one thing is when you bring in a 25-year-old out of college, they're not going to have the same knack that a 73-year-old that's got a lot of... You know what I'm saying? There is an experience factor. But what's easy? What just flows? Is it, if it's easy for you, it's a big clue. If you have to struggle with it. If you're struggling with the computer all the time and you know and you just can't make it print and you can't... And you, and you know you're having to call the boss every five minutes, something ought to tell you something that either you need to go get some education... But if you already got the education for computer and you still can't make it work, it ought to tell you something, that you can't compute. Hallelujah. 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 <coughs> okay, so what's easy and what flows? Number six, don't be afraid to try something to see if it's anointed. Joyce Myers always said you can find the will of God by getting out there and doing stuff. And you, sometimes you find the will of God by finding out what is not the will of God. And if you do something, you'll find out if it's the will of God. Even in the church, if you usher, you'll find out if it's the will of God. You know, if, if, if you're ushering and the, pastor, and the pastor's always having to get his own water, having to carry their own books, and you can't even, you can't remember it. From one, we tell you on Wednesday, you can't remember it till Sunday. Well, something's wrong. You ain't the usher. You know what I'm saying? If you love being with kids, you know, there's lots, lots of, you know, um, we had this lady in our church. Now she lives in Houston. Her name was Norma Sines. I'm telling you, every baby that came in, I mean, if a baby just walked in the door, she was just on that baby. She's just on it. That's a big clue. I mean, it didn't matter whose baby or what. She wanted that baby. She wanted to hold that baby. She had to kiss that baby. Every baby. That's a clue, folks. It's just flowing. It just comes natural. We don't, need a, we don't need a degree to figure out what this lady's called to. Go to the nursery, get her there quick. She's called to babies. She absolutely loves them and adores them. She adores them so much that she had five or six of her own. Then when, she got, when her, her girl started having grandkids, she just took them over too. You know? And she's the kind, though, that, you know, she loves them when they're babies, but when they get to be about six, they just, okay, you're on your own now. <laughs> she likes the babies. Hallelujah. When you're like that, quit having them and start taking care of other people's. Because when you have your own, you're committed for the long haul. Amen? Okay, um, number six. No, no, number seven. What do you hate? A big clue to what you're called to do is what you hate. Now, that sounds strange because you ought to say, what do you love? But, you know, love is not really it because you can love singing and not be called to be a singer. No, what do you hate? 
You know, Mike Murdoch says, what you hate, what you can't stand is what you're called to change. If you can't stand the church being dirty, guess what? Amen. You know, um, one thing that I know I'm called to change because I hate it is I can't stand doctrine that puts God in a bad light. I can't stand it. If you want to make me mad, if you want to get me bent out of shape, just say, God took my baby. And, and I just, you know, that just, I can't stand it. I hate it. I get, amen? That's because I'm called to change it. What do you hate? You need to look at what you hate. It's a big clue. Amen. Look at what you're afraid of. What are you afraid of? What is it that makes when, when, when pastor says or I say, would you do this or, or think about doing this or, or somebody else suggests you do something, what makes you want to run backwards? And you say, well, well, does God lead us by fear? No. But the devil tries to use fear to keep you out of your assignment. I know with me it was prayer. Because one of the main things I'm called to do, and now I'm so happy in praying and being in prayer and being involved in prayer. I'm so happy that I can't stay away from prayer. But I remember when it was first suggested to me. I remember that Pastor Don Kaywood in Odessa, Texas called me up at the front and he had a lady on staff that, was, that just prayed. That's all she did. That was back when we thought we needed a full-time intercessor on staff and so he had that. And he said, come up. And he began to prophesy for me to pray and to be leading prayer and to pray. And I'm like, oh, that, I do not want to. I did not. You talk about resisting God and resisting the anointing and don't let this woman touch me. I don't want this on me. Because, see, I was afraid of it. The main thing, I was not so much afraid of praying. I was afraid, oh, you know, being called. Of course, that was back in those days. And so it was kind of, we were kind of, the body of Christ was kind of a, in a, uh, out of balance when it came to prayer and intercession. And uh, I thought, man, if you were called to pray and intercede, you had to go in the closet at 8 in the morning. You didn't get to come out till 5. And, you know, and I got going. My, my middle name's Go. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. I can't stay home. All, you just asked, Pastor, I can't stay home all day. You want to tell me the worst day? You want me to have a bad day? Tell me i got to stay at the house all day. Now, if you want to give him a good one, tell him he don't have to go anywhere. He can stay at the house all day. But i got to go somewhere every day. i got to get in the car and go every day. So, so when they told me prayers, like, uh-uh, because those people, they got to get in that closet and get on their face, and they don't ever get to lift it up. <laughs> And then, and besides all that, what's even worse is that God gets them up at 2 and 3 in the morning and have to pray for 3 or 4 hours in the middle of the night. That'd be worse, wouldn't it? I mean, I thought. And so I ran from the call of God. But you know, the call is a, the, when God calls you to pray, you know, He calls you. I, whatever you're called to, it's joy. It's happiness. And it doesn't mean it's going to change your whole personality. You'll never get to have fun anymore. A lot of times the devil uses that. You, you serve God. You do what he's called to do. You, you'll never have fun anymore. Well, I got news for you. God will make things. He'll give you fun things. He'll, he'll, he'll make fun. I tell you, Pastor and I have fun. We have, a good, we have a good life. We have fun. Amen. Glory to God. Well, hallelujah. That was my eight things. Amen. Thank you, G. Pastor, you want to talk about those eight? You want to comment on them? You wouldn't want to let them out early, would you? Amen. You hope. Well, I let him out early this morning. I did, didn't I? Glory to God. Let me see if I can find some. No. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, let me just see if the Lord has anything else. Amen. <clears throat> you got to find it, though. You got to find it. 
you got to discover it. It's there. Uncover it. It's there. Hallelujah. So I know what let's do. We got, one best ways to find anything is praying the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So let's stand up together before we go.